The only difference is having the ability to recognize when I'm going down a path that isn't feeling the way I want it to feel, or I'm not responding in the way I want to respond, then I have the ability and the skills to be able to pull myself back. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey, it's Sarah Larby here, your host of Where Should I Invest? And today we have a great guest. But before we get to our guest, take note of a few really awesome things happening. So for the resort specifically, May 7th, we are doing an open house. It is free to come, but the only thing we do ask is that you register so that we can plan enough food. I have a chef coming that's going to do a barbecue. It is going to be awesome. Come up, network, uh, but make sure that you register at inspirebeachresort.com and uh, just you'll see the uh, location there right on the front page to register to the open house. But definitely come check it out uh, from 11 to 4 p.m. and uh, bring your family if you want to. Just add them in there as well so we know how much food to to bring and to make. Um, aside from that, there are some other events happening, so you can check out inspirebeachresort.com for that. Uh, and we're also going to be doing um, a golf tournament at some point in June with midterm rental property. So if you are interested in participating in a golf tournament, I don't golf either, and don't worry, it's not going to be crazy. It won't be an 18 hole. Um, it'll be nine and then it'll actually be best ball. So if you want to come hang out, play some golf, uh, drive the cart around or whatever it is that us people that don't golf as well do, um, let me know, send me a message on that, uh, Sarah at sarahlarby.com. Just put golf and I'll send you some information or just make sure that you're registered for my mailing list. Um, go and take a look at my website and just, uh, make sure that we have your email. So you do get updates on what is happening. Um, before we bring in Melanie Robinson, who's uh, today's guest and uh, has been an investor focused in BC, um, doing flips, new builds, burrs, short-term rentals, foreclosures, all that good stuff since 2015. And it's a great conversation. Um, before we bring her in, let's hear from Dahlia Barsoom from Streetwise Mortgages. Dahlia, over to you. What do we need to know from a financing standpoint? Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages. If you're currently feeling overwhelmed, by the uncertainty in the real estate market and the sheer volume and pace of news relating to the lending, the credit, and the real estate landscape, I want you to know that you are not alone. I'm reaching out today to help you mute down the noise and also share with you a few key things that you need to be aware of heading into the next 12 months. This way, you can make an informed, not an emotional decision with respect to rates. If you are planning on purchasing a property and uh, we're currently definitely seeing momentum on that front or refinancing, or if you have a renewal coming up. First, let me paint a picture of the backdrop of the rate environment. Number one, the Bank of Canada signaled holding off any further increases to the overnight rate, and it did confirm its position by not raising the rates during the last Bank of Canada meeting. Inflation is easing up based on the CPI trends, although the labor market remains tight. Also, the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank and the Credit Suisse in the U.S. has created extra uncertainty about the stability of the financial system in the U.S. and overall global concerns relating to bank liquidity. 
So with this backdrop, the rate hike cycle in Canada appears to have finally ended. And I know this is comforting for many. And currently, the market is expecting that the next move by the Bank of Canada to be a rate cut, likely in Q2 of 2024 and potentially sooner. Having said that, no one really knows the exact timing, but what we know is that a rate cut is now on the horizon. Cuts typically happen gradually to bring prime rate down, and they happen over time. And what's expected is that the cuts will eventually bring prime rate down by 100 to 200 points. Um, we will unlikely see prime go back to what it used to be before the pandemic, unless something significant uh, happens and triggers that. Also, fixed rates have dropped over the past few weeks as the bond markets uh, reacted to the uncertain credit environment. Right now, there is something really funky going on with rates. If you look up the fixed rate mortgages, you'll see that the one and the two and the three and the four and the five-year fixed terms are lower than where the five-year variable rate is currently. And the longer the term goes, the lower the fixed rate is. So that's an interesting uh, observation. Also, the banking regulators in both Canada and the U.S. are proposing changes that will result in tighter lending overall. So what does all of this really mean to you? Number one, given that a cut by the Bank of Canada is now on the horizon, I invite you to consider riding the, the rate roller coaster as it goes down, as this will save you interest and will help your cash flow. So how do you do that? Here's how you do it. If you're currently on an adjustable rate mortgage, as much as it's been painful for you to stay with an adjustable rate mortgage because your payments have gone up significantly as the Bank of Canada increased the overnight rate, sticking with your adjustable rate mortgage means that your monthly payment will go down immediately as soon as the Bank of Canada starts to cut down the over nitrates. And it will continue to do so every time the Bank of Canada cuts the overnight rate. If you're currently on a variable rate mortgage where the payment is fixed, but the allocation beneath the surface changes between interest and principal payments as the rates change, you will need to check your lender's policy because there is no guarantee that your monthly payment will go down as the rates go down. So if you want your payment to go down, uh, consider switching to an adjustable rate mortgage. And definitely, in my view, I wouldn't suggest that you get into a variable rate a product with a fixed payment right now because you're going to lack that payment at the height of the cycle unless the lender's policy says that they will adjust the payment as the rates go down. If you're going to make a new rate decision because of a renewal, a purchase, or an equity takeout, you may be tempted right now to take a long-term fixed rate mortgage because the rates are lower and they are also cheaper in the long-term. And while that may serve you well in the short run, it will hinder your ability 
to benefit from lower payments when the rate starts to come down. So consider a one-year fixed or a variable rate mortgage. Now, although I'm sharing with you the overall rate strategy, your final rate decision should be within the context of your financial situation and your personal plans, as well as the plans that you have for the property. This is why it is really important that you consult with a mortgage advisor to assess the suitability of the mortgage product and the term based on your individual plans and circumstances. Number two, with the tighter lending guidelines on the horizon, consider increasing liquidity and restructuring any expensive debts that you may have. You can increase liquidity by setting up a secured line of credit or increasing an existing one that you have. Also, restructuring debts now will help you enhance how your balance sheet would look like for any future financing that is needed under tighter guidelines. My team and myself are here to help you. We are here to help you make the right and most informed rate decision as you move forward. We're just an email away. Email us at info at streetwisemortgages.com. We are here to support your success and help you move forward with certainty in this uncertain environment. Awesome, Dahlia. That's great. Thank you so much. Guys, reach out to Streetwise Mortgages for more additional information. And on that note, let's bring in Melanie Robinson, and uh, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Melanie, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you. I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Good, good. So we were just chatting before this. Now you are in BC. How's everything um, going down in BC? It's good. It's good. I mean, Weather-wise, the sun is shining. So as you know, there's a lot of rain here and we've had a week of sunshine. So I'm grateful for that. <laughs> nice. Some vitamin D. So tell us a little bit about who you are and what your story is from a 30,000 foot view. Oh, goodness. Um, well, I, it depends where we start in the vantage point, but I became a real estate investor, a full-time real estate investor in 2017 and uh, focused on flips and doing things in BC. I wasn't... Um, I wasn't a part of all of these communities, so I didn't know what I know now. Obviously, it was very like self-serving and I didn't love it at all. I actually hated it and wanted to leave it. And then when I got introduced to the idea that you could do JVs and raise capital and actually make a difference in people's lives through real estate, that was in 2019. And that's when everything sort of took off for me. And uh, I focused in New Brunswick. And in a couple of years, we acquired 20 properties, 80 doors there. And um, yeah, I mean, I just, I love what I'm doing. So amazing. How, how are you handling 2023 and, and, you know, everything obviously has shifted, the market's shifted, the economy's shifted, um, you know, an experienced investor like yourself, like, are you doing anything different to pivot? Are you kind of staying course? Share some insights on that if you don't mind. No, I've definitely made a huge pivot, but part of that was because of what's going on in the world. And part of that was because I kind of do my life in little chapters. I don't do anything forever. And so I'd already made a decision that I had that couple of years of really focusing on New Brunswick and acquiring doors. I will still do that. But that laser focused, focused, rapid paced action, I already knew that there was a new chapter coming. I just didn't know what that was going to be, what it was going to look like. 
And, uh, and it turned out I shifted into focusing on offering mindset coaching for investors because that's been a big part of my entire life and what I was offering the communities anyways. I just wasn't doing it as an active business. And so the timing just kind of worked out that I was ready for a shift. People were hungry for that mindset aspect. And then I was ready to create some active income um, through offering the coaching. So all the stars aligned to make that shift. Amazing. I mean, like they say, right, 95% of your success in real estate is actually mindsets, uh, <laughs> mindset related and, and being able to take the ups and the challenges and the downs, because I'll tell you, if this was an easy game to play, if investing in real estate was easy, everybody would be doing it. But it's not. There's a lot at play. There's a lot of headaches. Probably the more deals you do, the more successful you become, but the more headaches come along with that as well. That's right. And and my background, one of the things that I feel really fortunate and I just kind of, you know, when when life evolves naturally, you don't you don't necessarily have this master plan, but you arrive where you are now and you realize that every step you took led you to this moment in time. So my previous life prior to becoming a real estate investor, I'm a master practitioner of NLP, which most people don't know what that is. Neurolinguistic programming. Tony Robbins is NLP based to, you know, to give most people know who Tony Robbins is. Yeah. Um, so my background was in, you know, the mindset, how the brain works, the strategies that, that successful people um, use, what makes the difference between excellence and mediocrity, like all of that stuff was my background. Then I left, it became an investor and kind of just um, put that aside, obviously implemented it myself, but didn't think of it from the perspective of supporting others. And then it's come full circle to to now me, I have the experience as a real estate investor. I know those challenges that we face. I know that, you know, the limiting beliefs, we can have the lack of confidence, that fear, fear is a huge one. Um, I know firsthand what those obstacles are that we have to overcome. And then I happen to be lucky enough to have the skill set from my previous life to be able to help people through that. So, um, yeah, so I'm very lucky that way. That is awesome. So let, let's talk about a little bit of the stuff that maybe you did as you were scaling and, you know, with the fear that you had. If, you're, if you could share maybe some of your stories and maybe some of, you know, the tactics that you or the, the measures that you applied uh, for yourself to really be able to, to scale and do this, you know, investing full time now that you're, you know, you've left your full time job and all that good stuff back. You said 2017, I think it was, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So maybe just walk us through that mindset piece, maybe some of the struggles and some of the insights that you can share that helped you along the way. Sure. I mean, one of the things I'll say, and I, I'm fully transparent, I'm like, I wear my heart on my sleeve, fully open, share all my challenges and, you know, and the wins with everybody. One of the things is, even though I am passionate about mindset and I, and I live it on a daily basis, it does not mean that I'm perfect at it. It does not mean that I live in this state of being resourceful at every given moment. I'm human. I have my good days and bad. I have my like immediate responses to situations. Um, you know, the only difference is having the ability to recognize when I'm going down a path that isn't feeling the way I want it to feel, or I'm not responding in the way I want to respond, then I have the ability and the skills to be able to pull myself back and implement some of those, you know, some of those tools. So that's the first thing is like, I am not exempt. I have, I'd face all the same things and I don't sail through them because I, because I know, you know, this stuff about mindset, but I mean, you know, when I was first starting out and doing JVs and raising capital, of course, I had the fear of what if nobody wants to partner with me, um, you know, in an ideal situation, you're finding all of your partners first, and then you're getting the property under contract and you've got it all lined up. That's ideal. That was not how it 
unfolded for me 99.9% of the time. We'd find a great opportunity, we'd get it under contract, and then I'm under the gun and I've got to find our partner or raise our capital, you know, in three days or something. Right. Um, and so for sure, I had all of those same things of being, you know, what if I can't pull this off? What if nobody wants to lend to me? What if I can't find a partner and I'm going to let my partners down? All of those things. So, um, you know, one of the consistent sort of things that people will hear me talk about and that I implement in my life almost every day is, I mean, when you're thinking about that, you're imagining it's not going to work out. And obviously, when you imagine it's not going to work out, you feel awful. Your brain's releasing chemicals to your body. You feel like you've already failed when you when you haven't even given it a shot yet. And then the action that you take is going to is going to be reflective of how you're feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. So the minute I go to those places of being afraid it's not going to work out, I have to I have to flip over to imagining a successful outcome. I've got to imagine that I've done this, that it's amazing, that my partners are so happy and that everything is great. And that's like a, a strategy I use in so many different scenarios. Um, many investors who have seen me in other, in other places, I built a fourplex over in Nanaimo on Vancouver Island. And it's been a five-year project that I have faced like every obstacle I feel like one could face in a new build. Um, and I'm still not out of it yet. I'm almost, we have an, we have an accepted offer and last Thursday, they removed conditions. So I'm closing in a few weeks, probably by the time this airs, it'll be closing right around the same time. Um, but I face so many challenges and um, challenges building during COVID costs, increasing tenants, you know, having drug, um, drug dealing tenants who didn't pay rent for years, demoing the property and the entire property being a rock. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, just want to take a quick moment and introduce you to one of my go-to realtors, Jamil Rahimtula, who brings with him 15 plus years of experience as a real estate investor, as well as has a background in renovations and property management. He's found my last handful of deals for myself and also for my students and uh, is great at negotiations as well. But it is important that when you are picking a realtor that they are investors themselves, understand the investment game and have worked with many investors um, because they're going to be able to bring a team. They're going to be able to bring a team of solid trades and everything else that you need so that you can get into investing and continue your investing game a lot smoother. So in order to reach out to Jamil, you can call or text him. His number is 416-275-7819. Again, it's 416-275-7819 or his website, Jamil Rahimtula. Dot com. Now back to the show. Yeah, you had yes. you had all the the opportunities to crawl under a rock and stay yeah, there. That's right. Didn't. <laughs> but I didn't. I I almost did many times, but I didn't. Right. It's like yeah. I had to. So so I created a vision. I created a vision of standing in front of that building, cracking a bottle of champagne, celebrating the successful completion. I didn't know what the successful completion was going to be because at some points. I was going to hold it and bring in partners at some point. Like that evolved every obstacle I faced. My exit strategy had to kind of shift and change. But the one thing that didn't change was that I'm going to stand in front of that darn building. I'm going to crack a bottle of champagne and I'm going to be celebrating the facts that it's complete one way or another. Right. And so, so honestly, over like the last 
I mean, maybe the first couple of years wasn't quite as heartbreaking and challenging, but over these last few years, right up until last week, like holding on tight to that vision that I'm going to crack that bottle of champagne. And you can be best believe that at the end of April, I'll be taking a ferry over to Nanaimo with that bottle of champagne and I'm going to be cracking it. So we have a choice. Like things don't go the way we want. You know, we face obstacles that are out of our control. Things happen. And it's stressful. There's no doubt about it. We have a choice. We either wallow in it. We either, like you said, you know, crawl under a rock and don't come out. Or we do what we need to do mentally in order to get ourselves in a resourceful state so that we can be solution focused, so that we can, you know, then start to pick up the phone, send emails, reach out to our resources, our mentors, and figure out what we're going to do next. But when we're under a rock, or when we're sobbing on the couch in a ball, we cannot figure out what to do next to get ourselves moving forward, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think there's many different things we can do to get ourselves from under a rock or on the couch to being resourceful. And, but the biggest thing is making a decision. I'm not going to allow myself to do that. I'm not going to allow myself to hang out here. I am a goal. I'm on a mission. I have things to do. And therefore... When I get into those states, I'm going to do something in order to shift myself out of it. Mm -hmm. That's Absolutely. the thing. I mean, it is interesting because, I mean, there's lots of people that are likely hearing your story and relating to that, especially in 2023, as cash flow has dwindled away, as um, bylaws and restrictions on what landlords can do, cannot do are going away. Um, it's, a, you know, tenant board stuff. I mean, every province is different, but, you know, I think yeah. BC and, and Ontario are, are very, very tenant friendly. So if you get stuck with a bad tenant, it could take you months. Um, yeah. You no. Know, and there's there's probably more doom and gloom today um, with the rates, the lower cash flow and everything than there ever was. And you're probably super busy now. <laughs> um, talking to people and helping them and giving them some of the pointers of, of you know, for example, of, of what you did and what you lived through in the last five years with that that new build project. Um, you know, what are like some common things that you could share or pieces of advice um, that you would recommend somebody that's, you know, feeling the pinch of yeah. where, where we're at right now? Yeah. I mean, it depends what pinch they're feeling. And there's a lot of different things you can do. But some of the things that come to mind as you just kind of shared those different challenges that people are facing. One is, and a lot of people might not agree with this. And um, and I struggled with it at first, but now I sit in it like I'm I'm totally good with it. I don't, as an example, I don't watch the news. And I need to be educated as an investor to, you know, to keep my partners and lender safe and all of that, which I know I find out in these circles and in these conversations, but I don't, I don't watch the news because I don't want to sit there and think about how awful the state of the world is in, unless I'm going to dive in and be part of the solution. If I'm going to dive in and be part of the solution, if there's a cause that I feel passionate about, I'm actually going to take my energy to try to make a difference in that realm then yes, I need to pay attention. But if I'm literally just going to listen to it so that I can, I can feel like the world is collapsing, I'm not going to do that. Because here in my world, if I focus on the things that are working, the people that I care about, the things that I do have control over, I'm going to feel a lot more resourceful, a lot more um, able to, empowered to create the life that I want to create. So that's one thing is paying attention to what are you inundating yourself with? What are the things that you're allowing into your space? There's a reality. 
interest rates have increased. That has lowered cash flow. It doesn't matter, you know, how positive of a thinker I am, there's a reality to that, right? Um, if we're in it, my belief is if we're in it for the long-term gain, if if we're not having to liquidate something right now, then then it's a matter of focusing on the fact that this is a long-term play, that we are getting mortgage pay down, that we are, you know, that the market will shift, that we see these things happening all the time. I can have this mindset like, oh my gosh, the world is collapsing and what am I going to do? I'm going to lose all this money. Um, or I can think this happens all the time. There are cycles in real estate. If I'm, you know, if I'm going to play in the long-term game, then I'm, then I'm going to wait this out. These things happen. How can I bring in, how can I lower expenses? How can I increase cash flow? What, you know, what are the possibilities that I can implement that are going to change the performance of this particular property? Um, it's just in how you're thinking about it. And again, I think that some of the challenges that people face is, is not even recognizing that they have a choice in how they think about it. They just think that interest rates went up, cash flow went down, let's focus on that. And they don't recognize what that's actually doing to them. Yeah, no, definitely some, some great points. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Experience Inspire Beach Resort. It is the resort that we have been building and it is ready. So if you are looking to host events, team building opportunities, retreats of your own, and just even potentially hang out with your friends or family or colleagues, you can rent out a cabin, you can rent out the entire resort. Inspire Beach Resort, it is an adults only, it is Canada's only themed resort specifically for adults and the themes are really nice they're really upscale like you have like the beach theme you've got a rustic lodge theme and a vintage hollywood and we are adding more every year but there is uh, an awesome space that is on the water to host your retreats your events your business meetings planning meetings all of that good stuff so check that out inspirebeachresorts.com now back to the show do you have you know, a morning or a daily routine or how you like structure it so that a, you know, and I'm a big believer as well as in cutting out the noise. Like I don't like you listen to the the news. I also don't listen to the radio. Um, and yeah. I also, you know, try to limit all of that because it, because essentially it's all negative, right? It's all the, yeah. the headlines that sell and that's just, it's just another business. And really ultimately at this point, the way that I look at it is a lot of them are being funded by our governments uh you know and and their propaganda which i also don't agree with so political stuff aside yeah. um i think yeah probably knows where where i stand on that but um aside from that do you have a, like a morning routine a daily routine or something that you're like this has worked really well for me to like help with the mindset help with additional energy and just like moving you know things along towards goals and stuff I do. I have a really strong morning routine and it's only been truthfully the last two years or like 2022 and, and 2023 so far where I really have recognized the power in having a morning routine. So before that, when I was really focusing on building in New Brunswick, one of the things I noticed, and this is where my morning routine came from, was, you know, I'd get up at 6, 6 a.m. and I know there's a lot of 4 a.m.ers and stuff like that. That's not me, but 6 a.m. <laughs> that's that's really enough for me. Yeah. Um, but it was already 10 o'clock in New Brunswick. So the minute I would open my eyes before I had even, you know, done anything, I was starting to get inundated with the things that needed to get done or, or you know, half done their day by then. Um, and I noticed that I was starting to feel 
resentful, which is something I don't want to feel. And it's definitely not my partner's fault. They're like, you know, they're rocking it over there for me. It was my own, the way I was doing life that was creating this feeling of resentment that I couldn't get like literally a moment to myself. So that was where my morning routine stemmed from. It was like, I decided before I entered my day, I do, it changed last year. It's kind of evolved. I did a mini miracle morning for a bit and, I, and I've been evolving it. But at this point in time, what it is, is 20 minutes of meditation. And I do that before I leave my room. Like before I leave my bedroom, I've done my meditation. Uh, and then I go downstairs and I do 20 minutes on a machine, like on my elliptical or something. So it's like 20 minutes of meditation, 20 minutes of sweating. And then I go and I walk my dog for an hour. And I do that every morning, Monday to Friday. I don't hold myself responsible to doing it in that way or on the weekends. Um, but on Monday to Friday, I do that so that by the time I land at my desk, I've already looked after myself. I've already, I've already had intention on what I want my day to look like. Um, you know, I've created that inner environment for myself. I've honored my physical body by getting that little sweat and getting my blood flowing and everything. And then I go and I walk my dog, which is my time in nature, I think. And um, you know, listen to podcasts or do whatever. So by the time I land at my desk, people can, I can be of service all day long. It doesn't matter who comes to me for what I can give all day long because I've already done that piece for myself in the morning. Yeah. And it's that resentfulness that if you don't get that, you know, in that anger that could potentially build up. Cause like, that's, that's what I would need to, right. I just like, I want to do like, I used to wake up at four when I used to have a full-time job. Now I don't anymore. It's like five, five thirty, but it's, um, I, I want to go to the gym. I want to do my thing before I start. Like, and I actually don't do any meetings until 10 a.m. <laughs> That's just yeah. like my rule since then. I'm like, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll get ready slowly. You know, maybe I'll start yeah. checking some emails here and there, but like, no, like no meetings until 10. And, and I think it's important to have that like me time or that you time before you start, you know, serving and, and helping others. You got to help yourself first and fill your bucket first. hundred percent, hundred percent. It allows me to start from the place as the person I want to be, right? If I if I come into the day flying and I'm not grounded and I'm not centered and I'm not, then I'm not the best version of me. Then how can I do all the things that I want to do if I'm not thriving, if I'm not the best version of me, right? It's just, it's doing a disservice to myself and everybody else. Yeah. That's perfectly with mindset. You know, I got to walk my talk. Absolutely. What about like, let's let's switch it up a little bit, because, you know, one when, when of the things I, I sometimes see happen and you probably see it so much more than me because you're you're in this field is, you know, people are leaving their full time jobs, which, which is amazing. And then they don't have that routine or, you know, they lose that productivity um, or that efficiency. Like, are there like, you know, what are like what are some things that you do to say, OK, you know, the most important task do that you put those first, you put those when you have the most amount of energy. Like, do you have any like strategy like that? Like after your morning routine, you know, do you have specific goals for the week that you're like, I need to make sure that this gets completed? I'm a list keeper. So I don't really have, I don't have a, this week I'm going to accomplish this other than when those things naturally happen. Last week I needed to get all my year end reports to JV partners by March 31st. So like that was a deadline that last week I knew I had to hit. So when there's when there's deadlines like that, obviously I have a goal this week. I'm going to accomplish this. But naturally speaking, in my everyday life, I have I have an ongoing list that I actually do every at the end of every day for the next day, so that it's a I start with a clean list. And depending on how busy I am or her, how overwhelmed I'm feeling, I have two different list making strategies. The one is just a linear list. 
like we all would have. Um, but once it gets to be a lot and I've got a lot of different things going on, I actually divide my paper into nine sections. So like two lines down and two lines across. So it's in blocks and each square represents um, whether it's like, let's let's say my fourplex has a lot going on and a lot of things that need to get done. One box would be the fourplex. One would be we're doing a renovation on a carriage house up in Lake Country. So that would be another. I'd have a personal block. I'd have a you know, New Brunswick block. So, so what that does is it allows me when I'm feeling, when things pop into my mind, oh, right, I've got to check on insurance on blank or whatever it might be. I can put it in the right box. And that way I can either dive into a box. So project specific to get stuff done that's there, or I can just hop from box to box and, you know, cross things off my list. And then again, at the end of the day, I, I clean it up and do a new list for tomorrow. Now that's super archaic and I know there's a lot of apps and different things that can keep people on track. For me, I like to see it all at a glance. Like I don't wanna have to go into my phone and look for something sitting beside me on my desk is always my list of the most important things that need to get done for me. Awesome, now do you have like assistants or virtual assistants or people that you sometimes delegate stuff to as well from that list? No, I'm terrible. <laughs> it's one of the things that, um, I've been focusing a lot on the who, not how, or, or it's been coming into my awareness a lot, a lot, a lot everywhere I tour. And so with this new mindset coaching business that I am doing, I'm now starting to recognize the value in that. So when I was, I'm going to say just being a real estate investor, but it's not, I don't mean it that way. But when I was focused on that, I really had my role and I felt like I needed to do that because I was the one who, I was the face for dealing with every conversation that happened. It was people were investing because of me. And so I needed to be there. Um, now I'm recognizing I'm doing workshops, I'm doing coaching, I'm doing that. Plus I'm still managing everything else that I was doing before. And so I think it's probably coming to the time where that would be a smart addition to my, to my repertoire for sure. Yeah, Noah, you know what? I would not be doing these podcasts if it wasn't for my VAs. <laughs> you basically, because it used to take me like four four hours for every podcast on yeah. editing it, putting it together, uploading it. It just didn't, and it was just not effective. So, you know, I ha I've had some VAs that have been with me for, I don't know, five years, and they just do everything, all the background stuff, the little stuff. So, um, and I, I will yeah. tell you, it's, it's like a lot less expensive than people think. I think mine, um, you know, it's maybe five, six dollars US an hour, which is totally fine for the small tasks that you want to pass off, right? So, um, yeah. you know, and and you yeah. know, from, from there you could have some more local people, but um there's there's lots of lots of things that like you can kind of duplicate yourself and and uh and grow with. I'm a big believer in, in delegation as much as possible for for my sanity, my mindset as well. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's one of the things that I've been really recognizing for myself is I'm not a good delegator. And so, you know, that's something that I'm going to have to get better at. And again, I'm just totally open and honest. Like that's something I'm recognizing. I do even at home. I'm terrible. I feel like it's easier for me to clean something than to try to get my kids to do it and and be on top of them and all that stuff. It's not a good quality. I don't like it in myself, but it's just the truth is that I seem to just do it all myself and that's not, um, that's not great for growth. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you brought up family. So, you know, what if somebody has, you know, a family member that's not as supportive, um, yeah. you know, as an example, like if, if they want to do real estate, they want to scale, 
Um, and maybe, you know, it could be somebody close to them, their parents uh, or their spouse is not really on board uh, from a mindset standpoint or just any insights or tips that you can share if somebody's going through that right now. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be different if it was somebody's parents versus their spouse. That's obviously going to have a bit of a different impact. But I would say um, let's pretend it's not the spouse because I feel like that would be a different conversation because you'd have to dive into the values of your marriage and, you know, really make sure that you're doing it in a way that you don't, that you honor both parties, but go after your goals as well. Like that's a different conversation, which we could dive into. But generally speaking, we are responsible for our own life and we have to, we have to stay connected to what it is that we're wanting to achieve. And again, it's, it's kind of like clearing out the noise. We, in my opinion, I have no desire to convince anybody that real estate investing is the way to go. Now that's people in my world, that's potential lenders and partners, that's anybody. I want to chat with people who already believe that real estate is an amazing vehicle and then let's have amazing conversations together. And those who don't, I just don't talk to them about it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you have family and friends who aren't supportive, I would say, you know, don't talk to them about it. Talk to the people who are supportive. Build your circle in these communities because there's so many amazing people where like my best friends in life now are my investor friends. We fly, fly all over there. You know, there's 12 of us going to spend time in Kelowna together. Like just surround yourself by people who do, um, who do get it and who you can get fired up with. And, and those who can't, your family members and things that aren't supportive, talk to them about the things where your relationship you know, does thrive and don't talk about the things where it doesn't. You don't need everybody to be on board with your dreams. You just need to stay laser focused on creating the life that you want. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, awesome. Great, great insights. Great advice. Um, we are coming to our lightning round now. So Melanie, I'm going to ask you five questions and you're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind. You ready? Boy, I guess. <laughs> And now just a quick pause to hear from the midterm rental tip of the week. Aisha, over to you. Welcome to your midterm tip of the week. Today we talk about the costs of setting up the different strategies. For short-term rentals, there is a cost to furnish the rental, to get it guest ready, and there is also the ongoing cost for replenishments, as well as added costs to maintaining the property, for example, utilities and additional insurance. For the midterm strategy, this is similar to the short term, but there are less turnover, therefore less replenishment costs will be incurred, but it is very similar in the sense of having to set it up furnished and fully accessorized for the guest. For a long-term strategy, the cost to start is low initially, however, you will likely need to spend money between renter turnovers to fix any damage which would be difficult to get back from a long-term renter. For more information on midterm rental properties, please visit www.midtermrentalproperties.com. Awesome, guys. Reach out to midtermrentalproperties.com for additional information. Back to the show. All right. Question number one, was your favorite real estate investing book? Oh, real estate investing books. I was going to say um, who, not how, but real estate investing book. Well, it could be who, not how. I mean, yeah. who, not how I find is at the forefront of my mind right now and for investing, so... Yeah, absolutely. I have it over there somewhere. I read it. I read it a few months back. It's really good. It's probably one yeah. that you want to like read, you know, a couple times, maybe once a year or whatnot. Exactly. Yeah. 
All right. You mentioned podcasts on your walks with your dog. Not necessarily real estate investing, but do you have a favorite podcast? I do. I'd say my favorite podcast, and it is in real estate, is uh, We Can Do Hard Things. Okay. All right. Who's that from? Glennon Doyle. All right. I'll have to check that yep. out. Yeah. Number, number three, what do you do for fun? I, uh, well, I walk my dog, which I absolutely love. I, I was a hip hop and tap dancer until I tore my meniscus in my knee. So that's what I was doing for fun until then. And wake surfing. I love playing behind the boat. Oh, wow. Nice. Awesome. Sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. Number four, if you lost everything, all your money, all your assets tomorrow, how would you start again? I just keep doing what I'm doing and follow my heart. Be of service, try to be of service and, and see where that takes me. All right. And last question. If somebody has $50,000, they want to get started in real estate in some way or another, how would you recommend they spend that money? Training. Training, learning, you know, educating themselves. I was the first thing that popped to my mind was private lending, but that's very narrow sighted. So I, I reneged that on myself and I say definitely get into some mentorship and training programs so you can educate yourself on what the best strategy moving forward would be. All right. Awesome. Melanie, thank you for playing the lightning round. Where can my listeners reach out and find out more? Uh, MelanieRobinson.ca is my website. Uh, I also have a Facebook group, Mindset Reset with Melanie. All right. Amazing. Any final last words of advice? I would just say pay attention to what you're saying to yourself and what you're thinking, because that is dictating how you feel and then how you feel dictates the kind of action that you take. So we can all be in control of how we feel and therefore the results that we create in our life. Amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on and uh, thanks for sharing your insights. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larvey. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.